RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. On the seven and the big hand is on the 12 and when the calendar hand points to tuesday it can only mean one thing it's mission log live i'm ken ray and i'm john champion welcome to the show everyone that would be you our star trek pals here with us your star trek pals so what do we do now well we can talk discovery we can talk other trek maybe you have a non-track question the lines are open and ready for you 669-900-6833 is the number to call this week it is the ninth episode of star trek discovery's second season project daedalus joining us this week as john said it is you time for your questions and your comments do you have thoughts about Project Daedalus? Are you like me? Were you surprised to get to the end of the episode Project Daedalus and have somebody say, you got to find Project Daedalus? And I looked around and I thought, I thought I was soaking in it, but apparently not. Join our Zoom meeting, won't you? Use the one tap from your smartphone or call 669-900-6833. 669-900-6833. Uh, operators, by which I mean Earl, are, by which I mean is, standing by. So, hey, let's do what we do and say hello to our friends who are in the Facebook chat. There's Paul, there's Peter, there's William, there's Cosmo, there's Rhea, uh, there's uh, Egan, there's Chris Riker. He says, I'm so excited. I'm all out of breath. Uh, well, Chris, it's a good thing you're not the one doing the talking because if you're out of breath and uh, we're out of breath, which I, I might be. I, I mentioned, Ken, I'm, I'm a little under the weather, so I might just be coughing up a storm in the middle of the uh, the recap. You're good with that, right? That makes for good, uh, good television, good radio. <laughs> that'll be that'll be fantastic because it always makes an easy edit as well. Although maybe if you do run out of breath, we can just be, you know, you can just say as our friend did in the chat room, hey, it's just because I'm so excited, and it's not because I'm, I'm just I'm so excited, and I'm just going to chat the rest of the recap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Debbie, Debbie says, haven't missed an episode of Mission Log. Right on. And there's Tim, and there's James, and there's Danielle, and there's Matt. Joshua, just so many people saying hi. Uh, Paul, Paul Wright says, uh, such a sad ending to an episode. Oh, spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> He's talking about disco, not our show. I don't know. But I, we haven't well, so. I was going to say, I hope. But of course, we'll find out about uh, 57 minutes, it looks like. Hey, we do want to thank everybody for checking us out here live on Facebook. Or if you're catching the video later on YouTube, that's at youtube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. That is certainly cool. And Hey, how's it going? We're calling in from the past. And of course, if you're catching the audio only podcast, that's fantastic too. Basically, wherever and however you're getting this, thank you very much for joining us. Do us one favor, please. No matter where you're finding it, please hit like, please hit share. And then please tell people that we do this live on Tuesday night because we'd love to have uh, more people. Uh, the more people, the more your people, I believe is what they say, John. I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. By the way, uh, every episode, I, I really enjoy that our uh, multi-talented and lovely technical director, Earl Green, uh, he likes to drop a little TV log, uh, TV guide log line to me uh, when he sets up the live show. So this week he says, call it a hunch, but I'm pretty sure they voided Arian's warranty in this one. Guess turning her off and back on again just wasn't on the table. Have you never had that moment, though, where a piece of electronics is just bothering you so much you just want to chuck it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, 
you can forgive them, can't you? Yeah. Hey, I want to remind people of some stuff that we've got coming up pretty soon. Have we actually settled on what we're doing on the 11th in well, uh, in the Roddenberry Theater in Sansar, John? Yeah, we have. But see, there's there's a technical thing, though, yeah. that, that has to be hammered out. So I, I don't want to over-promise and under-deliver. I'd rather under-promise and over-deliver. And that yes. is the here uh, because it's a very cool thing. And even though we have this amazing theater, we have to do a, a little tweaking, a little work to make this new thing come to life. But yeah. it is April 11th. That will give you an idea of how cool this thing should be, because we're already talking about virtual reality. We're already talking about a theater. We're already talking about a place where we know we can show video because we've done it before. And yet we're doing a thing where we're like, yeah, this is going to need a little more work. So sorry to tease it so much, but it is pretty exciting. Um, keep the date circled. The 11th of April is when we'll do that. That's a Thursday night, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. And it's uh, like everything that we've said about Sansar before. It's free. It's available to you as long as you're running Windows 7 or later. Unfortunately, it is not available for the Mac platform at this time. If you've got an HTC Vive or an Oculus Rift, then you're actually doing much better uh, because you can, you know, walk around and move around and interact as if you're right there, but you don't need all that to actually take part. What you do need is an account with Sansar. So Sansar.com is the place to set that up and then go and play uh, VR Barbie for a bit. Get your, uh, get your avatar just the way you want it to be. And then be back in on the 11th at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for, well, we'll tell you before it actually happens. Yeah. Look, you got a couple of weeks while I'm gone to work this out because I'm going to miss a little bit. I got a little traveling. So just leave it to you and Rod to hammer out all of this stuff before I get back. So look for it on June 30th, everybody. (laughs) Give or take. You and I are friends. uh, I'm sorry, fans of uh, fake theme park. And Mm -hmm. I love that they'll announce it. They'll say like, hey, our new, uh, you know, volcano roller coaster ride is opening June 30th or October 10th, or never. <laughs> you know, like that'll be the kind of thing that they'll... Uh, they'll yeah. Pop. Yeah, so love that. By the way, our friend Benjamin Miner says, OMG, Ken has a the cage laser pistol, son of a... And then just trails off. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. Yes, this is not uh, this is not one of your finer replicas. This is actually from uh, for people who can't see this because the audio podcast... And John's got a whole bunch of like custom made ships back behind him. I've got some, uh, some chosen, uh, Star Trek stuff that I love. Uh, this is actually my favorite. Uh, not only is this the, uh, pistol that was used in the cage, but it's also the one that Andrea used and what her little girl's made of. And, uh, Playmates actually put this out, I guess, 96, 97. And I found it on eBay and thought, uh, well, yeah, I gotta have that. So we've got some other stuff back there, too. But we won't bore the audio people with the visual stuff. Hey, uh, it's not only the Centaur thing that's going on, John, but we've got something that's been going on for the past several weeks. We'll continue for the next couple of weeks. Uh, can yes. you remind everybody about the uh, fundraiser that we are uh, we're partnering up on? Yes. So we started a GoFundMe for a very good friend, Scott Palm. Now, if you don't know Scott, uh, please check out the information we've posted about him and about the fundraiser at facebook.com slash mission log pod. And I've pinned it to the top of the page at twitter.com slash 
Mission Log Pod. Now, Scott is an activist in the world of cerebral palsy and uh, uh, helping with the uh, anti-bullying campaign that Chase Masterson's Pop Culture Hero Coalition is so uh, so dedicated to. They do wonderful work. And uh, what we're doing is we're helping to raise money for Scott because he gets to implement his program, not only helping kids who have severe disabilities, but their peers as well. It's all about these very Star Trek themes of inclusion and self-worth. And uh, we could not be happier to be a part of this and could not be prouder uh, to help along this very good work that he does through Chase's organization. Now, uh, Pop Culture Hero Coalition is a 501c3. Uh, we hope that you will uh, donate uh, uh, generously to them. And the best part of it all is that the Roddenberry Foundation will very generously match dollar for dollar everything that we raised through the GoFundMe. Uh, now, we got to know Scott at STLV. He's been there a few years. Uh, and, and like I said, you can find out more about him on our page, uh, either via Facebook or Twitter. So please check it out. I, I cannot overstress how vital and how heartfelt and thoughtful this uh, the work is that he does through the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. So we want to give him as big a boost as we can. Now, on with the poll. What do you say? Last week, the question, Telosians, giant eyebrows, giant noses. See, I think the answer to both of those is yes, but apparently we wanted you to choose. So uh, giant eyebrows won, which I guess maybe that's a Spock thing. Maybe that's a something else thing. I don't know. Uh, 69% said giant eyebrows, giant noses, 31%. So the next time you see the Telosians, Expect no noses, but twice the eyebrow, because who doesn't want to please the fans? Uh, we do have a, a poll coming up. Uh, well, actually, it's happening right now, John. We have a poll already underway. Yeah, I, I just wanted to know, uh, does Arium have a future, and what does that future entail? Uh, you have a choice of space junk or coming back. You know, so look, there's a lot of junk in space, just stuff floating around. Especially around that Section 31 headquarters. There's all kinds of junk out there. Space junk, 54% of you coming back, 46% of you. It's nearly an even split there. I'm really uh, kind of surprised. Well, it's early. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. We just gave people just a few minutes ago a chance to decide. And, of course, that poll will be open for the next six days or so. Um, do you have a vote, John? Do I, I, I say space junk. And, okay. and I and I hope that it stays space junk, not because I think that Arium is a bad character. I think Arium is a really cool character. Um, mm -hmm. But as I was talking to somebody today about this, I was saying, you know, part of the problem, not not just with Discovery, but with Star Trek in general, is that with the exception of. Uh, Spock making, you know, we made a very big deal out of Spock's death and resurrection and how that had an impact on everybody. Um, we very easily can just kill off the people that we don't care about and don't know. And they could very easily bring back the people that we do at least care a little bit about and want to see grow more. Something that I liked in this episode, um, I'm spoiling it a bit here before I even get to the recap, but something that I liked in this episode is, is that we, we built some backstory then we lost a character, but losing the character seemed to actually have impact. It, it, it seemed to actually impact the people who are on board. And I hope that we can leave it there because it felt real and emotional. And, and I hope that we can just sit with that 
for a while and not just have some miraculous return. I, I think that would cheapen it. Hmm. Okay. Well, you think she's coming back? Uh, sure. Yes, absolutely. I think if there's one okay. thing. I think if there's yeah. one thing that the discovery writers have not been able to do. It's throw anything away. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think there's a very good chance that she'll be back in what form who can possibly say, uh, but Hey, now we've like spoiled so many things. This is something I liked about the show said John champion. Uh, Ariam doesn't make it through the episode said John champion. Maybe now we can ask John champion to recap the episode. <laughs> So, Admiral Cornwell is back at the invitation of Captain Pike. Now, he's not trusting Section 31, clearly, and maybe he's got an ally in the Admiral? Well, there was sabotage on the Discovery, and there's a whole Spock thing. Speaking of, Cornwell would like to meet with the fugitive Vulcan. Quick interrogation with some fancy technology, not to mention Michael Burnham's insistence, leads most of us to believe that Spock is innocent. But doubt lingers, especially when Cornwell pulls up a video that clearly shows Spock shooting the doctor and the guards at the psychiatric facility. So here's the deal. Section 31 is sure Spock is the problem, but Cornwell is having some issues with 31. The admiral in charge, Patar, is a Vulcan logic extremist who insists on marching lockstep with their big old computer known as Control. Sure, computer is a good a good thing to have as a tool, but Cornwell likes a little human influence, too. Only Cornwell hasn't heard from Section 31 in weeks, and her access codes have been locked out. Time to solve multiple mysteries, then, by setting a course for Section 31's top-secret HQ. Let's change directions for a moment and get to know Arium the cybernetic bridge officer who is in her quarters deleting unnecessary memories and archiving the ones she likes, mostly of friends, mostly good times with her crewmates. There's also the persistent one of her in human form after having just eloped with her husband. Tilly comes in and says they're needed, though. Time to work on decrypting all that crazy stuff they picked up from the probe. That goes along kind of well, except for a few moments when Ariam gets that strange uh, red dot pattern in her eyes. Down in engineering, Spock and Burnham bicker a little, distracting Stamets, who is working on fixing the spore drive. When they leave and head back to Burnham's quarters, Spock says he's having a huge problem understanding why the Red Angel has been contacting him at all with visions of future apocalypse. So time to consider all the logical angles by busting out with the 3D chessboard. Fun, right? Spock then goes there about Michael's shortcomings. He points out that she used the Vulcan extremist as an excuse. And then he really goes there about the trauma of what happened with her parents. Ooh, then Michael goes there about Spock's human slash Vulcan split. Yeah, it goes exactly as expected. Interpersonal drama is all well and good until it ends with knocking the whole 3D chess set over. Security officer Nan catches Ariam poking through computer stuff, which is sidelined to a conversation about the rather unique breathing apparatus Nan uses. Probably not important to notate that right now, but you never know. Oh, and Disco has arrived at Section 31 HQ, where it's radio silent and the surrounding space is full of mimes. Wait, uh, sorry, it's full of mimes. So there's explosions, crashing, cutting, fancy flying. They make it, of course. 
Section 31 is kind of weirdly quiet until they aren't. Finally, Admiral Patara is on screen and says, yep, she was told to attack Disco by Starfleet Command. They're all fugitives, including Cornwell. They'll all be arrested. When Patar cuts communication, Cornwell says they only have one option. They need to sneak aboard 31HQ and disable control. To make things hopefully a little easier, Spock helps get the spore drive back online, which leads to more personal conversations about Burnham than Spock dropping some relationship or lack of advice for Stamets and Culber. But enough of that. There's a super dangerous mission to take place. Burnham, Arium, and Nan beam over to 31 headquarters to find it dead. Life support is out, and there are bodies just hanging around, literally. Blood everywhere. Nothing about this is good. Oh, and Arium gets that weird glowing red dot pattern in her eyes again, which we all know means something worse will happen. When life support and gravity are restored, corpses literally fall from the sky, and one of those frozen bodies looks familiar. It's Admiral Patar, and she's been dead for at least two weeks. Saru was already hot on that trail, though. He had a look at the video of Patar and determined that that was a hologram. Yeah, not real. There was no heat signature, no changes in anything. Guess what? That video of Spock busting out of the psych ward, also a fake. Control is um, in control. Faking videos, blocking transmissions to Starfleet. And it's Tilly who realizes that Control wants something from Arium. It's about to get ugly on that station. Phaser fire turns into good old-fashioned fisticuffs. Nan is taken out of the fight when one of her breathing apparatus is pulled right off her face by Arium. Michael only gets the upper hand when she manages to trap Arium in an airlock. But what's this all about? Tilly's got it. Control was using Arium to access the data that they pulled from that dying sphere a few weeks ago. You know, the one, the one that had data from thousands of civilizations over hundreds of thousands of years. And some of that, maybe a lot of that about artificial intelligence, maybe control is trying to be smarter, to have the upper hand, to be invincible. Tilly tries to connect personally with Arium to convince her not to do what she's doing. 25% of the data on AI has been transferred over, but control is in control of Arium. She's desperate and begs Michael to just open the airlock, killing her by blowing her into space. But not before warning, look into Project Daedalus. Michael hesitates, of course, but then does what she has to do. Goodbye to Arium, whose one last memory played back is on the beach with her new husband, Blackout. Well done, although I totally hate to do this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What do you what do you Burn- Burnham didn't blow her out the airlock, non did. Oh, you're you're absolutely right. My bad. Yeah. My no, bad. It's okay. yeah, you're absolutely it's right. Just, that could be a character thing, because if Burnham had done it, then Burnham would walk around feeling terrible but knowing she had done the right thing or whatever. And now theoretically it could be a character thing where Burnham couldn't do what she actually had to do, but then, you know, non did and does that set up something between the two of them or something like that? 
There yeah. was a lot going on in that episode, though. So there, there's a lot of plot. No, no, I'm glad you corrected that because you're right. I mean, it, it has an implication about Burnham. Um, and, and I really like Nam. I, I really like what we're getting out of her. Maybe she'll stick around. Look, I've heard that uh, uh, Pike and number one are not to be seen again after season two. Now that they made the announcement that season three is coming. Um, I, I kind of like to see non sticker around. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Have we heard? Well, whatever. Yeah, 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 I, read some, I read some of those articles. Have we heard officially that they're not going to be around or have we just heard that they only signed on for season two? Oh, oh, see, well, official, unofficial. Look, yeah, I, I, know, I got all see. my news from Trek movie. I, uh, <laughs> well, well, shout out to trekmovie.com. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Hey, uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call 669-900-6833 or you can go to our Facebook page and uh, click on the link there, or you can click the one tap from your smartphone. Uh, we got people already. We got people lined up wanting to talk about Project Daedalus or prelude to Project Daedalus, if you will. Uh, we start off, I believe, with uh, Egan. Hello, Egan. Hello. How's it going? Doing all right. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, nice. The Wesley Crushers. Like <laughs> Wesley cool. Crushers. Check that out. Nice. Well done. <laughs> And since I had one last week, I had to go to the couch and grab another <laughs> pillow for this week. Look All right, that. cool. So yeah. do, you, do you also have one in red? Because if memory serves, last week it was blue. This week it's cold. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Spock last week, Kirk this week. I can't tell you what else I've got. You know? All right. Hey, we'll just All have right. to join us next week. There you, you know? go. Yeah. See, here's the thing. John's actually not going to be here next week. So if you could send me the pillow, I'll just have it as a co-host. No. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> the deal. Fair enough. Yeah, you'll also have to voice the pillow, though, because I can't. Mm-hmm. I am happy to do that. Uh, yeah. Anything for you guys. Uh, I had a few things on my mind, but there are a whole bunch of lovely float folks in the waiting room. So I'll do my best to be brief because I don't want to hog anything up. Um, one, I wanted to just say... Thank you so much to John and Ken uh, for this show. Like, like I said uh, last week, this is something I've been listening to for a very long time. It's really cool to kind of be inclusive now and be on the show just a little bit with you guys. Uh, I don't know if anybody said that to you in a while. Um, so thank you, you guys. And thank you to Earl for stepping up and, and being the guy that, you know, uh, runs all of this stuff in the background and makes it all smooth. So uh, just a big thanks. It's really cool to have this kind of forum for crazy Star Trek folks like us. Well, we really appreciate that. And yeah, Earl has done a bang up job. Absolutely. And, you, know, you and the people who call in that that's what makes this. That's the whole point of doing this live show. We, we knew that we couldn't do uh, uh, the full mission log thing for discovery when it was brand new. And we thought, you know, absolutely the right thing to do is to get this immediate kind of reaction from people. What are fans thinking? What are they talking about? So you're doing exactly what we hoped would happen. Cool. And if there's other folks that have just been listening all of this time and haven't called in, there's a whole pre-show that goes on. If you're calling in on the Zoom, <laughs> we had our own show before this show even started and we had a great time. Uh, nice. So just to put that out there for folks. Um, I, I actually wanted to talk uh, I had a couple of the things in my mind that were, uh, you know, just like uh, Arium. This, this, this episode was tragic. Um, like Ken was saying at the beginning of the show, like we haven't seen her. I mean, we see her in the background, right? And she looks really cool. And you want to know more about her just because she just looks crazy. Is she a robot? Is she human? What is she? Well, we find all of that kind of stuff out today or in the, in this episode. And, you know, we do have all of these things that kind of, get us to care about her very, very quickly. The writers were pretty clever about that, you know, tying her to Tilly um, and seeing the the memory dump that she has to do, I don't know, every day or once a week or whatever it was, but just those little elements of her, whatever, you know, cause, whatever accident she had, 
you know, uh, that caused this, uh, you know, uh, cybernetics to be necessary. It's tragic just that she has to dump her memories, like, however so often. And then, uh, you know, this thing that gets inside of her control, uh, basically takes the rest of her memories. And mm. just the whole thing was just tragic. I, I, I want to ask you something. I, I've been kind of juggling with my feelings about how they handled Arium here. And I, I have to admit that, you know, watching this episode, um, well, I, I think every time I watched it, I, I, I thought the emotion was well done. It, it was earned and it played out very well with the story. Yeah. How, however, <laughs> there is an argument to be made, legitimately so, that this was tacked on to to build that emotional connection for this one episode when we've had Arium all along now since the beginning. And wouldn't it have been better if they had planted these uh, these character details, this backstory all along so it didn't feel forced into this last episode? Sure. I, yeah. I, I get that argument, but at the same time, I think, well, you know, if you can build my sympathy for a character in 45 minutes, well done. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, I, I agree with that, right? Uh, I agree with both points. I mean, let's take another angle on this. The, um, the whole, we've seen Kirk how many times in the past uh, talk a computer into death or something, right? Well, we had that again in this episode, right? But it was Tilly doing it. And this was so strong and sad. Um, it was just a whole new level of that, that thing that we have seen numerous times on Star Trek, but again, done so much better this time. Yeah. Uh, Ken, Ken, did you, uh, did you feel like there was some word jujitsu going on there to, uh, talk down a computer? Uh, no, I, and uh, no. I did oh, not. Okay. Sorry. I, I, I wish I did because I would love to say, yes, I absolutely do, John, but no, I didn't. Um, I, uh, yes, everything that everybody has said so far is fine. I will say <laughs> the first time, the first time I watched it, I felt nothing for Ariam. The second time I did. The second time, because I think I knew everything that was coming, I was no longer trying to argue the episode in my head, like agree with it or disagree with it. Mm. I was just watching it the second time, which oddly enough, normally I do it the other way around, especially if we're watching like an older episode of Star Trek or something for the regular mission log. I'm not trying to do anything the first time I watch it, just sort of like, you know, be there for it. Uh, I found that hard to do with this episode, honestly, the first time I watched it, but the second time um, watching those last few minutes with uh with Ariam specifically watching her specifically um yeah it got me that time i mean here's the thing they're they're short moments and they are crammed into this one episode but i feel like they made them count i i mean ken you know you and i've had conversations uh, on this show and and in real life about our our varying degrees of enjoyment of discovery but but something that we've come back to is to say that even if a storyline doesn't go the way we think it should, or even if the focus isn't where we feel like it should be, they tend to do something right when doing these interpersonal character scenes. Now there were, there were interpersonal character scenes in this one. I did not care for. I, I thought a lot of the stuff with Spock was wasted. Um, mm -hmm. uh, like in engineering, I just kind of wanted to fast forward through that again. Um, but in a very short time, 
uh, the stuff with Tilly and Arium and uh, e- even the Arium POV of them sitting in the mess hall, it, it worked. You got across a lot of information in, in the most efficient way possible, which was showing, not telling. Uh, so I, I really have to hand it to him for that. Um, but Ken, I, I'm a little bit surprised uh, that I, there was something that I really responded to in this, which was taking this horrible thing that we hate about Section 31, which is mm-hmm. the puppet masters, they're pulling the strings, and no matter what happens, they're just, you know, they're, they're the evil side of Starfleet. But then we move a big portion of that blame onto a computer that has gone awry. And immediately my head went back to Landrew and Viger and the M5, uh, also known as the ultimate computer. The ultimate computer. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's what I was looking for. Um, no but my, my thoughts went back there and I was like, now this kind of feels more like a TOS thing. Now it's the, the AI gone nuts. And now it's up to the, the good guy humans to talk it down. And, and it's too bad about Cornwell who is stuck in there, uh, uh, sort of trusting, putting the trust in the system that was there, but the system because of the computer, see also Landrew, see also the M5 was broke. <laughs> it was broken. Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of things though. Um, all that does now is pave the way to normalize section 31. Because now we can say, oh, see, it wasn't Section 31 that was bad this whole time. It was the computer that was controlling Section 31. Well, no, Section 31 is also bad. There was a computer that it turns out was actually worse. But think about it. When they were standing there saying, wow, Starfleet doesn't use mines. And Cornwell's like, yeah, this was war. And this goes back to the conversation that we had last year. of Like, okay, well, who are you at your best time? Who are you at your worst time? If you're not the same person both times, then who are you really? Which time? And so, yeah, I get what you're saying. There was a bit of that. I mean, there's also the whole wibbly wobbly timey why me thing, though, because it doesn't seem like control could have actually taken control if somebody hadn't come back and done something and created this thing that makes control happen in the future and whatever. I'm 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 hoping to actually draw out how the timeline in this whole thing works. Yeah, well, we, we got a few more episodes of that. By the way, Joshua, yeah, true. Joshua says that Section 31 HQ was booby trapped. Is that a is that a reference to a thing? Uh, it's a reference to a booby trap. Oh, okay, a booby trap. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I feel bad because we kind of cut Egan out here a bit ago. I know. I'm um, sorry, man. No worries. Not a problem. Anything like, else on your mind tonight, sir? I just wanted to mention one more thing, um, um, and this is more general. Uh, uh, you know, I've been always more of a chart new territory kind of person when it comes to Star Trek or television shows in general. Like I've been looking forward to that new Picard series coming in the future where, again, we kind of go into a whole new area. Even once Discovery was announced, I was like, okay, fine. It's 10 years before. Okay, great. It's this new ship. It's a whole new crew. Fantastic. That'll be great. It's charting new territory. And then this season, it's like, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, uh, uh, Captain Pike. There's Spock. Oh, now we're at the Telosia. The, you know, all of this retreading kind of stuff. But I do have to say, it's been really, really good. And I'm at the point now where I kind of want a Captain Pike on the Enterprise show with the new Spock. Um, and they've kind of gotten me. And uh, I hate saying that because, again, I'm a chart, chart a new territory. I'd rather be out in the future, you know, in an area where we've never been in the timeline. Um, but God dang it, the Anson Mount is so good. And I and Ethan Peck is so good. I just want to see more of that. 
what if, if, what if could... we just got a what if we just got like a two hour special with sure. that? Great. How about two hours every every year then? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, you could yeah. do a TV movie each year or you could do a TV movie each quarter or you could go ahead and make that series. And to me, that's not retreading. I mean, it's retreading because they are characters that we've known before, but yeah. you're not. Hopefully when Pike and number one and Spock are back aboard the Enterprise, they're not still trying to figure out why Spock's childhood was so bad. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully at that point, they're back to... I don't know. I have this dream where they're like, you know, seeking out new life and new civilizations and boldly going exactly. where no one has exactly. gone before. Oh, that might be kind of Sign hmm. up uh, Jonathan Frakes to direct that. Yeah. 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 That would be, yes. I would, yes. A hundred percent. Ian, it's been a pleasure, man. Call back any time. So Absolutely. And, Thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you again. Appreciate hey, it. Have a good evening. Like, looks like we have Rhea patiently standing by. Rhea, are you there? Oh, wait, I think Rhea's muted. Hang on just a second. Let us unmute Rhea. And then... Actually, oh. now? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Very good. Welcome awesome, back to awesome. the show. Well, thank you. I don't have any of the fancy, you know, Star Trek stuff that uh, Egan does, but I've got my husband's Darth Vader house robe. <laughs> and nice. I stole a lightsaber. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Golly. Okay. Right. okay. We're doing a whole thing now. Nice. Yeah. I, w- I don't I know if I'm going to get booted out of the group now. <laughs> I wish I had known That's because awesome. my, uh, my Boba Fett robe is actually in the other room. So That's right. well, next week could have been a thing. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> back to Star Trek. <laughs> yes. So first of all, um, I would love to see a short trek about Arium's backstory, whether she ends up as space junk or comes back. Let's make it a short trek. But um, the thing that kind of struck me about this episode, I mean, there's so much about Arium you know, that we can all go into, but I, I really, really dislike Burnham <laughs> after Ooh. this episode. I, I think Spock is spot on with everything he said about her. I mean, the way, I mean, she was, she's different around him, which, you know, you see that a lot with siblings. They know how to push her buttons, but she was just as arrogant and egotistical as he accused her of being. And, and then um, that last scene there where she wouldn't, you know, wouldn't blow the airlock. She's being ordered by her captain to open the airlock. And no, you know, the all-knowing Michael Burnham has a better way to do it her way. Um, and then what about non, you know, um, I was yelling at the TV, a few choice words. But yeah, of, of all the, that, that really struck me this episode was just how much I wanted to smack Burnham in the face. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I Go ahead, John. No, no, it sounds like you're you're formulating a thought. You go right ahead. No, I mean it's I I, I got nothing. I got one thing, but I don't want to say it out loud. Oh, it's all about Burnham. It's all about Burnham. They literally yeah. said oh, that. Yes, that they last literally line. Literally said those words. It, it's all about it's all about uh, Burnham. So if you don't like Burnham, I, I, I enjoy the rest of the series because it's it's all about. I mean, Burnham. I'm honestly. I guess she's the star and all that. I had a question. Um, forgive me. Uh, I can put this to both of you. Uh, it was something I was actually wondering, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about how if there's a happy ending, then we're not supposed to feel bad about like anybody who got hurt or died or whatever on the way through. Because in the end, everything ends up being okay. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to you to have Ariam tell Burnham that all of this has been about telling Burnham about Project Daedalus so that she can save the galaxy 
when we know everything that Spock has been through since he was five because of this. Uh, yeah. I, are you saying that, uh, that we're, I, I, feel like, I, so, I feel like, I feel like they introduced this idea that yeah. Spock has been sort of a victim of his circumstances his whole life, but we've right. known and loved Spock and we've followed Spock and we know that Spock ends up being okay. But then to find out for the past 20 years, this was all about something that's going to happen to burn him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've tortured this character that we know and love now for yeah. a bit of time. And it's not even about him. I mean, it's about him and that he plays a part in this thing that saves the galaxy, but it's well, not about him. Well, we, well, we don't truly know, though, until, you know, the end of the next five episodes, presumably, how much of this is about Spock and how much this is about uh, Burnham and Project Daedalus. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I do. But I mean, we, we don't actually know how those things come together until until we get there. Well, except for the part where Ariam literally says, it's all about you, Michael. Well, uh, for for that, yes. <laughs> now, uh, Spock Spock has always been a tortured soul. He's always yeah. a tortured character. So, you know, that, that, that all tracks as far as what we're doing to him now versus, you know, what we learned of him in the animated series and the original series and, and all stops in between. But, um, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it, it's going to be that... Bleh. I don't think it's going to be that big of a division. I, I think those things are, are going to overlap and dovetail very nicely. I, I don't know that this negates what has happened to Spock. But look, we'll, we'll have to find out. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't have any special insight into what's coming over the next five weeks. Yeah, so. me neither. Hey, what else is on your mind tonight, Rhea? Or did you have any thoughts on that or, or all of the above? Well, yeah, I kind of agree with John. You know, obviously I have no special insights on anything, but um, it'll be interesting to see how it dovetails into the established canon, if I'm allowed to use that word. Um, You know, Spock had a rough childhood, to put it mildly, um, but turned out okay. So I guess we know that there's a happy ending. I am, actually, I really liked um, kind of Spock's examination of, you know, why me? What, what makes me special? Why has the Red Angel chosen me um, to reveal, you know, this vision to this future to why am I the one to save the galaxy? Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. And I enjoyed his uh, interactions with Stamets about that. So I'm mostly curious to see where that's going to go. I mean, it'll be all about Burnham because what is it? But Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... Uh, but I, we, we had a, a very interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago about um, whether or not just by having a captain character there, can you really make the show about this other character who's not the captain? And and it seems like, you know, by putting all the importance, all the, the plot importance on somebody who is not the captain, well, it, it has to take on this other, like, you know, this existential importance, like, you know, literally saving the universe because of uh, the red angel or whatever other factors we're going to throw in there. And is that sort of, um, I don't want to say it's a mistake, but is that a, a challenge that maybe they didn't realize by saying, well, we're going to make this series, but it won't be about the captain. But last season you had a captain character, Lorca, who just by, 
sheer charisma sort of takes over the show. And now in this second season, another Captain Pike, who again, just by sheer charisma and good writing, takes over the show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) May I ask a question, though? Like, uh, Hawkeye was never the commanding officer. He was officer of the day of the 4077, but he was never the commanding officer. But the show was about Hawkeye, right? Yeah, yeah. And nobody ever turned to Hawkeye and said, Hawkeye, this show is about you. Uh, the Korean War is all about you. Exactly. Ariam told him today. Ariam told, I'm sorry, today, because we watched it. Ariam told Burnham that it's all about her. And Saru, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Saru, on his deathbed, thinking that he is about to die, the most important thing for Saru is that Michael fix her relationship with her brother. <laughs> I mean, somewhere along the way, I mean, look, make it not about the captain. That's fine. You can do that. But you can also point to places where people have done that. Right. I mean, just because he's the I don't know. You you don't have to keep telling us that it's about Burnham. Just make it about Burnham. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, but then to constantly stop and say, well, no, this really does all hinge on this one character. Well, we know. OK, <laughs> quit telling me that now and just show me and and I'll be fine at that point. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I don't hate Burnham, by the no, way. No, no, but I, I get it. But it's, it's a weird thing to do because, I, I mean, look, this is part of a problem with TV writing and with science fiction writing in particular. And I think with Star Trek in particular, that you go from one adventure to the next and, and there's this compulsion to make it bigger and better and more important than the last one. So... Mm-hmm. Star Trek, the motion picture, here's a thing that comes that is going to wipe out all life on Earth by absorbing it into this computer matrix. And then, uh, all right, well, we, we got to take a detour, again, with a device that will wipe out all life if it's turned into a weapon. But more importantly, we lose Spock. Then you get to Star Trek Four, and it's again, it's a thing that will wipe out all life on Earth. And I said, well, where do you keep going from that? You, you have to keep going to a thing that now will wipe out all life in the universe, because that yeah. makes it even more dramatic and even more important. What, what's going to be great, actually, is when they go back and they George Lucas uh, the motion picture, and then when they're like a V'ger, and Spock's going to be like, oh, oh, I got this, I got this. Because <laughs> I dealt with one of these not long ago. Oh, I wish Captain yeah. Pike were here because he could. Well, he's around somewhere. Maybe we'll go pick him up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, Rhea, uh, we actually have a couple more people lined up, but thank you so much for calling back in and uh, and and do it again because it's fun and uh, and you know we'll play Star Wars dress up next time. Sounds like a play. Maybe I'll take a shower next time too, and I just come straight from the gym. <laughs> Not not on our account. I was going to say, well, and also before the show, please. Not, yeah, yeah. You know, because that's. Oh, no, not 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 during. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you very much. Have a wonderful evening. Uh, six, six, nine, 900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one touch from your smartphone or you can go to our Facebook page. And really, I think what I'm doing is giving instructions for like from now on, because people who are listening live right this second probably know how to do that stuff. Uh, V-A-D-M, that stands for what, John? Uh, I believe that stands for Vice Admiral. It may stand for Vice Admiral, but he will always be Commodore to me. (laughs) (laughs) I am retired now, so I am no longer Commodore. I got kicked up in rank, but uh, always good to see you guys. 
Yeah. No, wait, this doesn't make you a badmiral, does it? (laughs) No, it's a vabmiral. It's fine. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure. (laughs) Hey, by the way, before we get into our conversation with you, and thank you so much for calling, um, uh, Rick Carter in the chat says, well, like it or not, disco is the story of Michael Burnham. And, and yeah, you're right. And it's not a matter of disliking the character of Michael Burnham. It's a question of, well, when you're writing the series, when you're trying to tell stories that have long arcs and characters that have long arcs, are, are we just going to say that all of these things of universal consequence all boil down to this one person? Um, and, and that's, that's a little tough to swallow. Um, right. and it, it, you know, again, it, it depends on where we go with the writing. It depends on where we wrap this up. We already did that in the first season where the war hinged on Michael Burnham and then everybody needing the reset in their heads hinged on Michael Burnham holding up her hand and saying, hey, guys, remember, uh, we're Starfleet. We have principles. We should try to live by them from time to time. Took that one plucky young upstart, (laughs) uh, Michael Burnham, to reset everybody's clock in Starfleet. So the question that becomes like, is that the thing then for every series or every season of Discovery? Um, So, yeah, very much to Ken's point, you can make the focus of of a series about a character a la Hawkeye and MASH, but not say the survival of the world and the end of the Korean War rests on Hawkeye Pierce. There, there, there's a difference there for sure. Or John Sheridan B5 or any number of others. Uh, precisely. Yeah. By the way. All right. So uh, welcome, Vice Admiral. And uh, sorry about the tangent there, but I thought that was worth uh, addressing. I'm, I'm always glad to throw in some questions here from the chat from time to time. I must say, I appreciate uh, you've got the, the theme going. You've got the monitor behind you. You got the shirt on. And, and I, I noticed that's both. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, right. Right. Nice. And, and I don't think people saw the glass you were holding up. Oh, yes, yes. Can't uh, can't do this without the proper glass, right? Now, what are you having tonight? This is Weller. Uh, okay. Just, uh, just bourbon. Okay. Very good. Good choice. And it's uh, it's yeah. in the, uh, it's in the uh, Starfleet class for the audio listeners of which there are. Exactly. You know, yeah, my bad. Three. I should have been more clear. No, no, no. Quite all right. I was actually, I was actually calling John to task without doing it on, <laughs> out loud. And and I am using the camera on this PC. Next time, I'll use this one so that you can see all the ships I have up here. So that if anybody would like my ships to get involved with your ships and Ken's ships, then we can talk about that. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. You got it. Well, uh, what's on your mind tonight, sir, other than a uh, little booze and some starships? Well, um, one thing I thought about, and you've mentioned it many times, both of you have tonight, uh, is all of the other AIs that have appeared in later Trek. Um, the question I have is, is this episode because of the way it handled a uh, supposedly Starfleet initiated AI that will eventually attempt to annihilate all intelligent life in the galaxy. Is that perhaps assuming that it doesn't in some way, the reason why through all of Trek going forward, we never see a proper AI beyond like the doctor or data. Is this the reason that massive, super powerful AIs have been totally left out of the Federation and others? Sure. I mean, that's that's possible. Yeah. I mean, it does tie in. I mean, I know you were talking about uh, M5 earlier, John, and you were talking about Vidra and other things. But I mean, mean, it really didn't actually. 
planned room. Yeah. It really didn't have that. Um, it didn't have that TOS field, didn't it? Of like, yeah, we fly around in spaceships and yes, we can teleport and yes, we can cure diseases, but seriously, uh, technology only serves you as long as it serves you. And uh, if it goes too far, it can be problematic. It's right up there with life prolongation as things that will uh, absolutely destroy you. Oh, Vol. Vol's another Vol. one, right? Hey, Vol. What How up? do you forget Vol? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, I mean, it, it did sort of have, in that respect, it sort of actually had that TOS feel. I mean, and not in a lot of respects, I think, but in that respect, yeah. Uh, well, especially if Arium had been successful and this control had suddenly absorbed the AI knowledge of not just a few civilizations, but probably thousands of them from you know the millennia that it was that sphere was traveling around See, and, and give, could, give me a whopper though you know the one that knows that the the best way to win the game the only way to win the game is not to play that's true how, how it is require it require a human to remind him of that i guess well no remember because he ran all the things he ran all the oh, you're uh, right. you're he right. ran all the all the uh, possibilities at the end and it was like yeah no this uh, this ends up being a losing game for everybody see that's wrong. a that's an AI I can get behind, one that'll get out of my way so I can't get behind it. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting to this point in TOS, very often that theme came up, which was, you know, look how far we've come. Look at this great technology that allows us to do amazing things. We have starships with warp speed. We have transporters. We can explore and, and understand the universe. But you take it one step too far and look at the world of trouble we're going to have. And you have to have Kirk walk in and talk down a computer until literally smoke starts pouring out of that sad device. Earl Green, our uh, lovely and talented technical director, says, do you want Borg? Because that's how you get Borg. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously what we saw in, you know, the previous episodes is that the uh, future tech that control creates is going to annihilate all life. Well, why is that? What, what is it that makes it want to do that? Yeah. 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 That's, that's a really good question. Well, um, do you watch, uh, do you watch the Orville? I have, of course do, but I haven't watched the last three episodes yet. Oh God, you're killing me. I'm okay. <laughs> Cause they answer your question. They answer your question, by the way. Okay. They how, and I won't spoil whatever, but I'll be honest. One of the reasons I've stayed, I've stepped back on the Orville until a little further down is because some of the episodes were just too close together. In terms of uh, not parallel, but there's been a lot of Orville that's been very um, similar in tone to some things. I'm like, let's just wait. So I'm not getting him confused in my head. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I see. Yeah. And honestly, what happened this week, you could easily say, all right. So are these guys just having lunch and saying, oh, that's a neat idea. Do you mind if I go this way while you go that way? It's not quite like that, but it's, you know, it's um, it's yes. There, there have been a couple of similarities this season. So I'm looking forward to seeing them all, but not yet. Haven't haven't done that yet. Cool. Uh, anything else on your mind tonight, sir? No, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna let other folks get in here, but I am gonna try to get in here more often. And it is always great to see you guys. I hope to see awesome, you man. more often, especially in person, because I also like drinking with you guys. So <laughs> cheers <laughs> to that, man. It's been too long. Absolutely, yeah. Indeed and it has, uh, gentlemen, indeed it has. So glad to have you on. And yeah, do, do call back again. And yes, we'll figure out where the three of us can, can be in one place at one time too. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on something. So I'll talk to you offline. Nice. <laughs> All right. All right I'm, I'm halfway there already. I just need to know, you know, when and where and, and how much and, uh, oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, you meet. Yeah. Get in touch. Yeah. Get in touch. <laughs> See you soon, man. You guys have a great night.
Uh, really quickly, we got Tim coming up in just a moment. I'm excited because I don't think Tim has actually been on the show before, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but he's a friend and it'll be good to have him on. But first, I want to let you know about some other friends, uh, our good friends over at Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. In 39 minutes, 39 minutes, you can hang out for 39 minutes, can't you? And another 120 minutes. Because every uh, Tuesday night at 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Antony uh, get together to do the live recording of their podcast, which comes out on Friday. It's movie news and discussion. It's game news and discussion. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's other Trek pals hanging out with Trek pals. So grab a snack, do whatever you want to do, and then come back to Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast to catch the live recording of Priority One let me say that more slowly so you can pick it up. Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. And if you can't stick around for the live recording, or even if you can, go ahead and subscribe to their podcast, Priority One, uh, wherever fine podcasts are served. All right. Looks like I got everybody Tim standing by. So, uh, Tim, yeah, first time on the show, but a longtime friend. Welcome, sir. How are you tonight? Great. Uh, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Nice. What's up, man? Not much. Uh, I just had a, you know, I, I read all the comments online about Arium and that how we didn't know her long enough to, or they didn't have her long enough on the show to really feel her death. But I immediately thought of Bambi. I don't know why I went to Bambi. Oh, sure. Bambi's mom. Yeah. Who cried when Bambi's mom died? Yeah. And she and, was never on screen. Yeah. And if you don't, you're inhuman. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And that's, yeah. I, I thought of that. And it's just like, it's just a story how they told it. And I yeah. felt it. And, you know, it kind of took me twice, which doesn't surprise me, but that's still good. You know, yeah. But I mean, well, it's like when we talked about the Star Trek shorts, you know, you can get yeah. across a lot of information in a really short time. And uh, Calypso had just such a thoughtful, heartfelt, genuine feel to it. And they got that done in, 12 minutes, 13 minutes, whatever. But yeah, go ahead, Ken. Here's what I got to say. You don't all of a sudden make her everybody's best friend. That's the problem that I had with it. Like if we had just seen Ariam going through her own memories and going through her own stuff, right? And still she's background as far as most anybody is concerned on the bridge. The whole thing can still hinge on her. But all of a sudden, we're led to believe that she's doing girl talk in the galley every time, you know, we're not looking, apparently. Because I don't remember ever even seeing Tilly and Ariam have a conversation before this episode. You weren't invited, Ken. You weren't suddenly, invited. Okay, but here's the thing. There are ways to tell that story where you still get me, right? There are ways. You mentioned Bambi. That is an excellent example. There are tons of ways. Go back to Calypso, like John just right. said. Have her going through her memories. Have Tell us all about her life without her having to be walking arm in arm with everybody all the time. Because because it felt like, ah, we're going to kill this character, but we need people to care. Okay, well, let's really quickly tell them that they care. And then we'll go ahead and kill her. You see what I mean? Like, I, no. like I wish it just, it didn't, because I'm there for it. I, I, I want to I be left blubbering at the end of a TV episode. And instead, I, I was just sort of insulted by the fact that they kept telling me, well, you care about this, so you do. Yeah, I, everybody was different with this. So I think it's a, really different across the board who felt it and who didn't. It hit me right away. It's okay. just not, I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. I, I honestly, I wish we had had more of her throughout because me too. 
she's a fascinating character. We did. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Unless you were reading something else, did we actually know that she was human before this episode? Has it ever been stated on screen that she was a human who had been saved from something, and so that's why she was all cyborg? I, I don't think it was. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could be mistaken. There might have been something that came up, but yeah, um, yeah, okay. I, I don't think Sorry so. But I do want to say that uh, Ariam and Robocop will have beautiful children. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't they just? Yeah, oh, be nice. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I hate to cut this short, but we do have Paul standing by. But, Tim, I, I want to let people know that you are starting a podcast, yes. Star Trek Generations. Ha, has your first episode dropped yet? It hasn't dropped yet. It's going to drop at the end of the month. It's my okay. son and I. Uh, and we're talking about uh, we're talking about fathers, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, everything. Just find out who got who into Star Trek and, uh, and the story behind it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've recorded a few episodes already and they're they're pretty fun excellent they're a lot of fun. fantastic and That's i also want to say that i have been to vulcan canada <laughs> i just want to make that statement nice very <laughs> nicely good. done very cool you'll have to tell us all about it sometime oh wait you could actually be our tour guide if we ever get this tour yeah, that we keep it's a deal all right you can hop go. on the back of my bike ken <laughs> <laughs> oh, man fantastic thanks a lot <laughs> all right Tim, Tim, thank you very much time, for calling in, man. i look all forward guys. to hearing the show all right take care Bye. Uh, all right. We have to go straight to Paul because we have seriously two and a half minutes, I think. Not to yeah. rush you, Paul. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. Is he muted? There he is. Can you hear me Paul, now? Hi. Hey, hi, I'm fine. I'm sorry, I'm calling. Oh, you got me the last couple minutes again, but that's okay. I just wanted to say just a comment about what you guys were just talking about. What this episode reminded me of was Lower Decks. When you have the um, flashbacks with Arium's uh, memories and her sitting around the um, the the, uh, the table with her friends, sparring mm-hmm. with uh, what's his name? Is it Bryce? No, Bri- Bryce yeah. is the other gentleman. I can't remember. I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. Bryce's communications. I can't remember okay. the. So the, the one that he was sparring, <laughs> the one that she was sparring with. So I mean, that gave me enough of a feeling for her. Um, to, to have my, you know, to, to get me interested into what was happening. She almost became the guest star of this episode, like the old TOS episode where you have someone come up from a lower deck um, to, you know, be the, the, the subject of the storyline, um, almost like uh, MacGyver or um, what's the ensign, uh, Garavik from uh, the Obsession episode. The, uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, this was this was her this was her guest star storyline. And um and I thought it was it was quite an interesting way to handle it. And I know we're running out of time, so I will let you guys. Uh, that was just one of, one of the things I wanted to bring up. I had several notes, but that's okay. Uh, well, no, go ahead. <laughs> we got another minute here. You can with uh, with another one. All right. Well, all right. One of the things that I was thinking about was that uh, Spock is still very young in this episode, and in, in what we're seeing right here, he's, and I, I love the way that he's exploring his emotions and that he's enjoying being angry at Burnham. You can be angry at Burnham. She knows him better than probably anyone at this point of uh, the Star Trek career. And I thought that was kind of a, that was kind of a, you know, and I, um, what they were saying, what you guys were talking about earlier with um, the scene between him and Stamets was quite interesting. I thought the, uh, find out why, what is it, what is it about the Red Angel that made him want to, made, made it want to come and visit him in the past. I, I thought that was quite, quite a, Th- those those are the clues that we're trying. That I think they're trying to give us in this this season. That um, I think they've thrown us several red herrings so far. But uh, 
we'll see what's going on in the next few episodes to sort of like cement what's going what's what's going to be happening here so well red red is the theme there's the red blob there's the red angel there are red herring oh it's all over (laughs) there you go what what line was that that spock had uh he said something like he did he say that he was enjoying having his emotions like this something like that yeah Uh, after he tore down after he tore down the uh the the chess game yeah 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 that outburst and and i thought well you know again in the long and varied arc that is spock's you have all this stuff where he's sort of at ease with himself and then clearly not then sort of gets back together then we catch up with him in uh the motion picture he says oh he's got to purge all this emotion stuff that's not going to work for him after the encounter with V'ger. He's just, he's very unique in that respect. And, and obviously I think that's why he's an enduring character for 50 years. Yeah. But um, yeah. So uh, John, I hate to cut you off. No, but it, it's time. Yeah. It's time. I'm afraid yeah. So, Hey Paul, thank you very much. And, uh, and do give us a call back sometime. Uh, Thanks. It's Have fun a nice night. On, and we'd love to talk to you again. In the meantime, I need to let people know that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by the incomparable Earl Green. Don't compare him. Just don't. He's incomparable, okay? Uh, Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Not just Mission Log and Mission Log Live, but also Women at Warp, Priority One, and The Trek Files podcast.roddenberry.com If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, patreon.com slash mission log is the place to do that. Thanks to everybody who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next week. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.